Blog Talk Radio. Patty Holster, and this is KWAD Radio. We're on, we're on live today. <clears throat> no, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> no, we're on live, and we're talking to Mike, and, you know, I, I, I really hesitate to say his last name because I think I might butcher it. Uh, I'm going to take a stab at it. Mike Zifrit. He's a man in Harrison's cosplay. He's a cosplayer. It means that he... Uh, actually creates character based on comic books and movies and uh, creates the costumes and then, then reenacts a particular character. So he is a person who likes to definitely gets into the some interesting uh, characters. He, he's an adept prop filter. So for most of his costumes, he, he starts with this, with this particular idea. His characters that he chooses basically have props on them, and of course, he then he builds that particular part of the character, and then um, moves on from there. He re- went to the recent Tuscan, or sorry, Tucson Comic Con at Doc Ock and the Spider-Man franchise, and thrilled and frightened many fans of all ages. He's not on yet just yet, but we will definitely have him on in a few minutes. And, obviously, you guys know about the chat down below. You need to be able to, um, if you have a question, we are on live. So you are able to call in to 714-242-5145. But if you don't want to, and you just have a question or comment, then down below the show information is a chat area. You just type in your comment or question, and I will share it with Mike. So while we're waiting for Mike to get his call in, I am going to go over a couple of things that we got coming up and we're real excited about. Obviously the big thing is, just for me, it's the big thing, is the Time Travel Appreciation Day, which is going to be this coming uh, Saturday, which is Saturday, November 23rd. So we start at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and we're going to have a lot of fun. We've got the trivia contest that is being put on by our friends, Land of the Nerds. If you guys haven't gotten on landofthenerds.com yet, you need to take it, you know, take a delve into it. They've got some great articles in there. And obviously, I would, I would be derelict if I did not also mention the WAD.net. The WAD is, is, is the voice of all how culture anything going on. So, the 50 Time Travel Appreciation 
was all like, okay, what does that mean? Actually, it's actually on the 50th anniversary day for Doctor Who. And as you know, anybody who's any, anything to do with Whovian, they know that it's not only the 50th anniversary, but they've had a special that day, obviously. And we will have that also airing that, that evening. And we also have three of the missing or lost episodes of Doctor Who. And we've been talking about that on, uh, well, in lots of circles on Facebook. We've got our own Facebook page so that way you guys can find out more about the specific episodes that we're going to be showing, including the three lost episodes. We've got some pictures. And then we also got an article coming up. And I'll be putting that online probably this evening. So, actually, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm uh, actually made a mistake and said that it's just Saturday, but it's not this Saturday because we're already on Thursday. So, I'm just to show you where I am. Indeed, it's always on my calendar. So, I'm looking at my calendar and I'm seeing that obviously Doctor Who is not this Saturday, but the Saturday after. So, I apologize for that little slip of the tongue. <laughs> so to speak. And also on uh, Saturday 23rd is the Fireland Phoenix Ferry Festival, and that's going to be at Castles and Coasters at Metro Center. That's going to be Saturday and Sunday. So if you guys want to come out to the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who on Saturday with us, it'll be 3 o'clock until 10. So 3 in the afternoon, we'll, do, we'll start with trivia, and we'll start with one of our first episodes at 3. And we'll be going until 10. The trivia will, will be out in the courtyard, and that will be from 3 until 5. So we have 3 and the 5, lots of prizes, and apparently they just made an announcement that anyone who signs up to do the trivia contest automatically gets a $20 gift certificate. So definitely incentive. And, of course, it's always off the fun. So, uh, so come on out. Bring your families. It's a family-oriented location. They've got food there. Um, They've got great food there for very decent prices uh, for family-oriented you know, burgers and, and sandwiches, those lunch and dinner menu. And they, they have an open bar. I'm sorry, I didn't say open bar, but you guys will all come and sit in free beer. No. Actually, what I'm saying is, is that it's a complete bar, uh, so that way you can have mixed drinks as well as, uh, you know, bottled beer and obviously soda of all sorts. So, lots of stuff to do on the weekend of the 23rd and 24th. This weekend, this weekend I don't see much of anything <laughs> except uh, the publishing marketing meeting, which is uh, for authors or newbies, newbie authors or writers of all sorts who would like to learn how to publish and market their books. So let me get on Facebook and find out. And now I know that he was uh, at work until about 5 and he said he could make a home time. So we're going to wait around for him this time. Yeah, so I'm going to get on Facebook and make sure that those were here. And 
And we always have lots of lots of things to look at when we're on Facebook, don't we? And for those who are interested in Leprechaun 2014, we've got a meeting on this Sunday on the 17th. At 1 o'clock, we've got the LEP committee meeting, and that is specifically for the 2014 team. And then the LEP court meeting, which is, of course, a quarterly meeting for the Absolute Corporation of Leprechaun. And that starts at 2 o'clock. So if you're interested in Leprechaun and want to know more about how to get involved, uh, come to the 1 o'clock or the 2 o'clock. And 1 o'clock is specifically for the 2014 convention coming up. We do have a couple of uh, committee spaces, you know, committee seats that are left. And if you're interested in anything, you know, that you would like to help out a little bit, definitely come on by at 1 o'clock and see how we can plug you in. And if you want to know, hey, who, uh, who do I know that's there? Well, I'm there. So definitely come on over and see us because it will be an awesome and good time. I'm trying to see if he's on. He's hardly anybody's on right now. What is up with that? It's 5.40 in the afternoon. It's just getting dark in Arizona. And believe it or not, it was 73 degrees. That's 73. 73 degrees out this afternoon. It's absolutely gorgeous outside. Not a drop of rain in the sky. Actually, I don't think they saw any clouds at all. So it's just completely blue. And of course, this is, you know, this irritates those relatives that live in uh, Ohio. I am going to put you guys at home and actually run a couple things here while I try to get a hold of him to make sure that he, I sure hope he's okay. I know he was excited to do, to be on with us. So, put you on home and give you guys some soothing music.
The apocalypse has arrived. From the mind of T.M. Williams, the accidental writer, comes a horrific future. Humanity is turned inside out as millions of people around the world become infected with Gage Syndrome. Only a handful of people are immune and left to witness their entire race transform before their eyes. Gages take over society in the most macabre way, fulfilling their deepest and darkest desires with no thought of morality to stop them. See through the eyes of the uninfected, like Marge, who must decide whether the fate of her daughter should lie in the hands of the Gages coming for them, or if she should take her own child's life to stop them. See through the eyes of the infected, like Danny Ruiz, a doctor in the midst of transformation who is as fascinated by his own desires as he is by the results of fulfilling them. The apocalypse has come, and as you watch it unfold, you, the reader, become the masochist. T.M. Williams is working a Kickstarter project for this book and welcomes you to check out the frightening video of a perceived future at kickstarter.com. Search for Publish Das Masochist. We're on live, and it's the KWOD Radio. This is Patty Holstrand, and we're still waiting on Mike. Apparently, he's having some trouble getting home from work, uh, traffic and whatnot. It is right in the middle of that time. <laughs> uh, between 5 and 6, when traffic is just horrendous, and who knows what might be thrown up in your way. So we'll wait for him, but we'll also, at the same time, be talking about some things that are coming up. Again, like I said, we have the Doctor Who Day which is going to be on the 23rd of November. And we have Thanksgiving coming up. So if you have something you want to talk about on Thanksgiving, you can give us a call, 714-242-5145. You want a free plug right now, I'm definitely open to do that because, hey, I don't want to do all the talking. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the things that I've, I've had going on here. Um, just got uh, heard about a convention that kind of went bad this uh, this last uh, well actually it was over Halloween and uh, some other friends were saying that this was for the show what can happen to a convention if you don't have the organizers that, that can take in place in an order and that's, that is a shame because uh, conventions takes a lot of work. I know from experience being a yeah in, in several different uh, levels and, uh, with Leprechaun and uh, with Capricorn and uh, Jackalcon. So if anybody wants to call in and talk about that, we could talk about it. My good friend Jeff Meredith was apparently there at the time. He was um, paid money to be in the dealer's room. And Friday went off pretty well. And then Saturday morning, everybody was in line, and uh, they got kicked out of the hotel. Apparently, there were some conflicts with uh, an understanding of the contract. And they were kicked out of the hotel. So that's definitely interesting. I, you know. I have heard some other things where uh hotel has pulled the plug from it, but usually not like the day of 
or during the convention that's supposed to be going on. Uh, it's probably the worst one I've ever I've ever heard about. So it's really a shame. It's JackalCon is brand new con, and it's in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. You know, people coming from all different states around them to participate in this because it was actually pretty uh, well publicized and and they had some really good names like uh, Richard Hatch, which I think most people who are on Facebook with me know that I always had a crush on Richard Hatch. So it's a real shame that you know you bring in the big stars and then something really horrendously goes wrong. I mean, there's something always going to go wrong at the recon. There really is, honestly, no way that something cannot go wrong. Um, but, you know, how you, you know, where, uh, for instance, at Capricorn, we had a you know, couple of issues where the guests of honors uh, suddenly got ill um, or were told not they couldn't fly. And so what do you do? You find somebody that uh, can fill, you know, partly fill their shoes. Uh, at a moment's notice, <laughs> and you do attempt to fill a spot, you know, and uh, go ahead and give the rooms to those who uh, help you guys help you out. So anything can go wrong when you're uh, organizing a convention. Doesn't matter who you are, uh, hotels. You know, somebody says, well, wouldn't the hotel fault? Well, you know, we don't know that. We don't know what the circumstances really were, whether or not it was just plain a uh, newbie mistake or if um, something horrendously went wrong with the, with the contract. Um, but, you know, some of the people who were staying there were told by the hotel that it was due to a conflict with contract. So uh, that makes you wonder about... Um, <laughs> how that could go so wrong to, that it wasn't taken care of before uh, Saturday morning of the convention. That's unbelievable. And then some other people said, well, yeah, some people brought in beer to uh, the hotel uh, and were drinking in the lobby. Well, first of all, you know, you guys, fans need to understand something. You have certain rules at conventions and one of them is not bringing in outside food and alcohol. Uh, they have strict uh, agreements on their contracts not to do this kind of thing. But I don't think that's something that, that the that the hotel would have said, you know, would would have kicked you up, get them out to do that because after all, they've already had money made by the you know people who are staying there in the hotels. So it's a real shame that something like that would happen. So if anybody wants to knows anything about that, um, we are going to be putting that into, oh, we got a, an article based on that for the wad.net first-hand account. So it looks like we have somebody on the phone, and hopefully this is, hopefully this is Mike. Hey, Mike, is that you? Yes, it's me. <laughs> Yay! Yes, yeah, sorry. I got my Well, I tell everyone that you know, <laughs> I'm lucky enough not to have to part to drive in the kind of traffic if I don't want to. And uh, <laughs> and you know, you have to go to you have, you have a job to go to, so you know, you have to get back from there. 
So yeah. um, I'm glad to hear. I'm glad that you made it. Um, I was winging it pretty badly, actually, but <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, trying to get somebody else to say something because I, hey, I, I got all the announcements done. So there you go. I'm I'm completely open for you now. Well, I am I am here and ready to answer your questions. Great. I did introduce you a little bit. Okay. And I didn't uh, I didn't mention the, the groups that you're with yet. You're an active an active player, and you're part of two cosplay groups. So talk to us about right. uh, being in these groups. Uh, okay. Well, uh, um, there's actually a lot going on in the groups. Um, one of them is the Justice League Arizona. Uh, the other group is called the Arizona Avengers. Uh, they're very active in the community. Uh, both groups uh, do charity events where we cosplay uh, for, you know, kids need to read or uh, the children's hospital, Phoenix Children's Hospital, uh, things like that. Uh, I know that uh, um, the Justice League group uh, is uh, planning a, um, a Make-A-Wish Foundation meetup, so that's going to be interesting. And uh, let's see, the next thing on the agenda right now is our Tostitos Bowl parade coming up in January. Um, that's a big event for all of us because both both sides, uh, both AZA and Justice League group, will have anywhere from uh, you know 30 to 40 members dressed up in costume for the parade. Wow, that should be a lot of fun. That. that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, and that's the first time the that you've done. Trying to get a... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, this is this the first time that you've been uh, in, in this particular event? Um, no, I did it last year uh, as Gaslight Joker. Um, it's a two and a half mile walk, so, so it's in it can be fun, and uh, yeah, in costume. So uh, you know, most of the girls try to leave their high heels at home, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But it's definitely fun. It, it's exhilarating to see, you know, the thousands and thousands of people as we, you know, walk the two-and-a-half-mile uh, stretch of road downtown. And, of course, you Waiting. interacting with the community and the sidelines. Yes, of course, you know, scaring kids as much as I can with my Joker costume. <laughs> this year will be a yeah, little that, different. Yeah, that's a great card. That is a great costume. <laughs> Thank you. Kids have a hard time with it because uh, they either know who the character is as the Joker and get excited, or can't see my face. They're, you know, freaked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how did you get started in cosplay? Um, well, my first time ever cosplaying, I guess, would be. Um, besides Halloween, would be uh, going to San Diego Comic-Con. Um, I dressed up as Vash the Stampede. Uh, for the anime fans out there, that's from Trigun. Uh, it's, it's a great, great series. Um, I'm not overly into anime. I like a few good shows here and there. Um, this one has always you know, struck a good place in my heart because 
uh, it, it's kind of a uh, like a Wild West, you know, meets anime type of a situation. So, uh, Vash's Stampede, uh, just to give you a quick rundown of the story, is uh, um, the main character of the show. Uh, he is this like crazy blonde, spiky-haired guy that has a tendency to dodge bullets, and everybody's shooting at him because he has a a, a sixty billion double dollar uh, bounty on his head for being what they call the typhoon. Um, explains later in the show that uh, you know he basically destroys whole towns. Wow. So uh, anyway, now, you, I think is that the picture? One of the pictures I put up was of you on a. Is that is that one of them that you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, okay, it's the, the, red it's the, uh, the spiky blonde hair and the red coat. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you said spiky blonde hair, oh, I must see that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was my first costume. And um, I just, I've uh, besides uh, my steampunk stuff, I, but that was the very first thing. It got me started with everything, including steampunk, because I didn't even really know what steampunk was at the time that I came <laughs> out with that costume. And then I went to San Diego Comic-Con and all of a sudden there's all these people dressed up similar to my costume, but with goggles and cool guns and things like that. So, you know, that, that right. kind of segued me into, uh, you know, dressing up in steampunk. And then I guess just the, uh, the process of becoming uh, a steampunk, you know, co- um, cosplayer and uh, wanting to build stuff that uh, you know that, that challenged my expertise in in building things started going me into the direction of a full cosplay besides just steampunk. Right, because yeah, a lot of more a lot more people are doing steampunk now. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I was I was there in the beginning of that. Now everything's yeah. doing. Now everybody so see, gotta, see what happens. So you start a trend, and you're a trendsetter, and now everybody's following you. So Which is fine. I, I love it because, yeah, you know, it, it gives me an opportunity to now teach some of the stuff that I do for steampunk to all of these other people and see them get all excited about it, which, you know, makes me happy too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So we were talking about some of your costumes, and I asked you which one your favorite one was. And you gave me a couple. I did, yeah. I have a hard time picking favorites because they're all favorites in a different way. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, the Ash the Stampede yeah. was my first costume, so I love that one. I kind of semi-retired that one. I don't really wear that anymore, mainly because I it was my first costume and it's starting to fall apart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I just don't want to take the time to, to fix it up the and way would, I would like to fix it no. up. This is when I say, well, that would be okay with some of us. <laughs> okay, so, so you're talking about the two two current characters that that you're working on uh, that you've you've got completely completed, and you just rolled out one of them recently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, uh, those are my favorites right now, just because they're new and fresh. But you know, I I really have a special place for Gaslight Joker. You know that that was the first like really hardcore uh, cosplay outfit that I, you know, designed and put together and figured out how it should look and everything from the, from the ground up. I didn't just 
say, oh, I want to look like this guy. I, this one was something I had to create on my own with my own, uh, you know, design idea based on, you know, steampunk and a lot of DC. And of course, with, with that one, it looked like you had a lot of colors going on. Yeah, well, it's the Joker. He's he's a colorful guy. <laughs> but uh, there's there's so much more involved in that costume. I mean, uh, all the way down to the to the gun that I carry on my side, which was had a, a hand sculpted uh, Joker, you know, steampunk Joker face on the butt of the gun, to the mm-hmm. the mask that's uh, a full molded leather mask that I used uh, based on um, uh, a casting of my own face. Uh, things like that. So, yeah. you know, I, I put a lot of work into that costume. Um, yeah, you can you know, tell. I have to, to thank Jonna for her help with the with the coat. She did a phenomenal job with the coat and the vest. The vest I bought, but she added the leather bits to it, stuff like that. And then, you know, the coat she had to make from scratch. She had never done that before. It was it, it was quite fun figuring all that out. <laughs> <laughs> She would come in. She would come yeah, in and yeah. meet me on my lunch break at my job and have me try on this coat while everybody's looking at me really weird. <laughs> yeah, so that. that was a lot of fun. Hey, so, and then, let's talk about, <clears throat> we can talk about sorry, Professor Hugo. Hugo Strange. Yeah, okay. Um, Hugo Strange. Obviously, from the Batman. Yeah. And which I saw Correct. when I saw you at Keen Halloween. That's what you were dressed as. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, and the, it, I had to wonder about that because it's supposed to be a, a children-oriented uh, uh, event, and you you were <laughs> Hugo Strange, which of course comes with a huge giant uh, trench. Well, <laughs> you know, funny. actually, it's it's very children-oriented if you're thinking of teen and preteen, because ah, pre-teen, the yeah. outfit itself is uh, directly directly based off of the Batman Arkham City video game. So any kid that's played right. that game from beginning to end knows who that character is. And I, I had a lot of kids uh, at Tucson Comic-Con uh, taking pictures with me and yelling me out, you know, oh, you go strange. You know, because, you know, they, they can relate from playing the video game. Yeah. Yeah, I was showing my 19-year-old uh, who I was interviewing, and he said, oh, yeah, Professor Hugo Strange, huh? Because he, he played <laughs> Arkham City. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. It's funny that Hugo Strange is he's actually uh, come back in full force. He's been around a really long time. Like uh, back in the in the old Detective Comics, like uh, issue three hundred something. You know when Hugo Strange was first introduced as you know the uh, the shrink or the the head shrink for Arkham Asylum. And he's been here ever since. So, but uh, he kind of uh, he kind of fell back and you know wasn't predominant as a villain uh, up until you know the 80s. He came back late 90s. He came back at, with small appearances in the uh, um, the Justice League Unlimited season series and the very tail end of the Batman animated series. So and then. With this game, they brought him back and they made him the main, the main villain, which I thought was really cool. Plus, you know, I'm trying to find costumes right now that go well with uh, a bald head. 
But that's perfect. I mean, you know, you don't have to put anything on your head then. Exactly, yeah. So the, uh, yeah. Professor Xavier is my next, uh, will be my next finished piece, you know, goes along with the whole bald head thing. Yeah, I did see that one. Uh, now, recently you were at Tucson Comic Con and you rolled out uh, a brand new one, which was Doc Ock. Yes. And of course, I think a lot, a lot of uh, uh, kids of all ages can, who saw the Spider-Man movie, would definitely, you know, recognize you. Yeah, and any kids that uh, read read the comics, like Doc Ock, was even put into a more kid-friendly uh, Amazing Spider-Man comic series, mm-hmm. where they did mm-hmm. kind of uh, each each comic had a different. It was like a a different episode of of Spider-Man and introducing a, a new character or villain for the first time throughout this comic. You know, he was, he was a predominant one in that, uh, he's predominant in uh, spectacular Spider-Man cartoon as well. So, and with that, with that same style of look, um, so a lot of kids can definitely relate to knowing what I am. It's, that was a great costume a that, that you had there at Tucson. And we were talking about the fact that you're you're a prop guy. You'd like to start with your props, which, of course, with that particular character, there's quite a bit, bit of prop work to go with it. So talk yeah. to us about how you developed the props for that. Okay. Um, well, first of all, uh, the the tentacles are made uh, out of a, a product called backer rod, which uh, is a, a solid closed cell foam rod that you can buy um, at an industrial type place. Uh, There's one down here in Phoenix. They just happen to have the stuff. Uh, It comes in anywhere from like, you know, half inch wide to six inches wide material. Um, What it's used for actually is uh, to fill gap spacing in uh, in cement structures. So like, you know, the freeways and uh, uh, big buildings that uh, they put up block walls and stuff. They use the backer rod to fill in uh, gaps and corners or where the where the where the space is separated. How did it, you it come up with that? Okay. <laughs> um, it took a lot of research, and you know, of course, I took some pointers from uh, Adam Savage <laughs> because he did a Doc Ock costume for a um, for an actor friend of his. Uh, but he based it off of the movie. And what he did was he mm. just took, you know, standard, you know, foam padding and cut it into a triangle. And, you know, he did it that way. But I got the idea of uh, splicing it open to put some kind of armature wire inside of it so it's bendable. So I basically took that to a whole different level. Well, first of all, yeah. I didn't want to do the movie version. I wanted to do the comic version. So I had to find something that was round. So the backer rod was perfect for that, and I had originally started looking at, uh, you know, um, pool foam foamies, but they're they're hollow on the inside, so that wasn't going to work. So I found this stuff that was that was exactly what I needed. Um, what I ended up doing is it was too thick to uh, to just use armature wire. So with my new place of, of work. I get a lot of scrap uh, metal from uh, running the router out there and uh, cutting 
cutting aluminum for all the signage and stuff that I do. So uh, I ended up taking some scrap home, which was uh, uh, just a, a thick, solid piece of aluminum uh, rod, I would say. Um, you know, it's probably about three-quarter inch thick. Um, and then, uh, well, three-quarter inch wide and then probably about then an eighth of an inch thick. Worked great. Slid, slid it down the middle, put that in it, glued it all together, and now I can bend it however I want. Hmm. So let's go backwards so, a little bit. You, you were talking about your work. And so what do, yeah. you, what do you do when you're not playing? <laughs> well, I'm when a you're fine working. guy. I've, yeah, I, I ran my own business for 10 years uh, doing custom vehicle graphics for Mini Coopers uh, and vehicle wraps, things like that, putting the advertisements on vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. After a good 10-year run, um, the economy changed my my direction a little bit. And so now I'm working for a, uh, a sign company that builds the large structural signage, like, you know, the stuff that you see on the side of the freeways and things like that for big, Very you know, cool. malls and stuff like that. So it's, it's fun. <clears throat> I run a CNC router there cutting the, the aluminum facing and the plastics they use for all this channel lettering and stuff like that. What? So you so, went to a big signing. <laughs> big signs. Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah. Well, I like it because, I mean, it's not a great paying job, but I get all of these materials that I can use whenever I want. And, you know, if I need to, like, uh, going back to Doc Ock, um, I was able to use the CNC router to cut uh, the plastic that I needed for the claws. So all of that is made from uh, uh, what they call Centra. Um, it's actually pretty commonly used for armor pieces in the in the costuming community. And so I was able to take some of that and uh, actually digital make a digital image and uh, cut it out on the router so that I could fit it all together perfectly, symmetrically. Wow. That, that's taken quite a few hours. Uh, you, you really, really must love these characters that you are creating. I do like them a lot, yeah. But I, for me, it, I have to like the character, of course, because you know I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dress up as something I don't really care about. But at right. the same time, it, it's for me, it's about the challenge of it. You know, the challenge of uh, how am I gonna make this work? You know, we're yeah. taking a myth- mythical character or something that, you know, may have been in a movie where they, you know, they had a big budget to make things happen with special effects and things like that, and I have to actually wear it and make it look like it's, you know, it came right out of the movie or the comic, but being able to be somewhat practical. Yeah, yeah, it's one thing to write the character um, and, and, you know, have this, you know, interesting metamorphosis, but to actually yeah. pull them out of the page and actually create them is a whole different thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I definitely think I pulled that off with, uh, with Doc Ock. I mean, I've had several people tell me that it, I look like I came straight out of the comic book. Yeah, so, I got that that's a, great, the great view of you fighting the Daleks. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good picture. Yeah, because I mean, you, you look, it's action oriented. You guys are, you know, you're ready for action. You're ready to fight them. <laughs> it <laughs> so works really well. And, you know, the funny thing about that costume is, 
um, it wasn't even on my list of costumes that I was going to make. But uh, part of the AZA is they're starting to do these photo shoots, you know, uh, you know, um, specific photo shoots based on specific characters, and they were doing a Spider-Man photo shoot. But they didn't really have any villains. They had, they basically had a whole bunch of different Spider-Mans and uh, Venoms and Black Cat. So right, have a little easier. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, well, you, you, you know, we've got two months. I'll, I'll, I'll do a Doc Ock costume, and they're like, okay, let's do that. So that's how wow. it's gone. So I built the costume, and I'm like, wow, this, I really like this costume. So, about how many hours you, would you say that it took you to do the Doc Ock? Uh, hmm. Well, I do a lot of thought process in my creation. Uh, like, I, I, I methodically put together the costume in my head first before I ever build right. anything. Like my Joker costume, I worked on that costume in my head, exactly what things are going to look like and how they're going to be made and everything for over a year before I actually put it together. And then I had the whole costume made in three months. So it's kind of like a fashion designer exactly. who comes up with the costume look and then has to, yeah. has to figure out the fabrics and the materials that it's going to take to right. actually bring that out of the page, yeah. the page and into reality. Yeah. Except that those guys go. are on heavy pressure and have to do it in like five days versus me who has a year to think about something. <laughs> I don't think I could ever be <laughs> well, a, they, they a, do that for a, a living. fashion designer. <laughs> yeah, where, where you're, you're trying to do this. And, of course, you're not trying to do a mystical character. That's uh, That makes it completely different. They have to actually, if they had to bring a character off the page and... and and being able to build something like that, they probably won't be able to do it. Yeah. It takes a, a specific yeah. creative, creative mind to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got I to gotta think like a, like a, well, I got to think like a comic writer and an artist, <laughs> you know, yeah. which I do as well too, you know, drawing, things like that. But anyway, yeah, so um, with Doc Ock, uh, I had two months to build it. I think I, I thought about it for about a month and a half, and then I, and I just started accumulating stuff because I knew the direction I wanted to go, but, you know, getting, you know, I didn't want to just buy spandex because um, that's also one of my things. Is I, I don't wear spandex <laughs> in <laughs> costumes. I try to avoid that as much as possible. So I said, okay, well, let's, I need a, a unified color, but pants and shirt so that I can put it together that way. So that was the toughest part about the whole costume was actually trying to get the colors. You know, I, I dyed several pairs of pants that all failed. You know, I finally found these, the, the pants that I was wearing in, in, the, uh, in the photos is a pair of, like, Nike, like, running pants. So <laughs> they, don't, they don't perfectly match the shirt, but the color is pretty close. And uh, with, with a small amount of... Uh, you know, lighting and photography work, it, it blends together right. really well. So, and then the shirt That's I found awesome. just like that. It was a, like a Long John's, you know, from Old Navy or something. I found all this stuff at a uh-huh. thrift store. I, I had a really low budget for this costume. I wanted to keep it under 150 bucks, which I did. Wow. So, and... Uh, it probably does help to be able to get some of the pieces at work, though. That does definitely help. 
especially when you're trying to to keep it under budget. You know, I still could have done it. I had all the materials actually at home for the most part. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I didn't have was the – was the aluminum rods that I needed to put into the backing, into the backer rod. But everything else I had at home, and I, I probably could have uh, made from my stuff at home and, you know, hand-cut that stuff. It just made it a little bit easier being able to do it on a router, you know, on my 15-minute lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob, uh, would you, you do quite a few conventions in a year. You just go to Comic Cons, or do you do kind of uh, smattering of different kinds? Uh, I'm I'm trying to just I mean, I, I don't, especially now having a full time job, I don't know how many conventions I'm going to be able to go to that are out of state. So I'm sticking I'm sticking to just major conventions. Uh, you know, of course, all the local ones. I'll be at uh, Amazing Arizona Con uh, in January, and I'll be at Phoenix Comic Con and. Uh, June, and then also, of course, Wild Wild West Con coming up in March, which is an all-steampunk convention in Tucson. Um, and then there's uh, like there's a convention next weekend that I can't go to because it's in California, Long Beach Comic Con. Yeah, oh, Long Beach. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's Long Beach. Um, I'm going. I'll, oh, I'll also be at Dark Con. That's another local convention January. for gaming, yeah. and yeah, that's in January. I'll be uh, hosting a a workshop um, on how to make a steampunk leather mask. So that that should be pretty oh. fun. I was kind of just thrown into that. I wasn't even really considering going until somebody said, "Well, hey, uh, you know, can you run this panel for us?" And I'm like, "Okay, sure." <laughs> so. So that, I so guess that's the big thing is if I get invited to go, I will try to make it happen no matter what. So, oh, yeah. The, the two yeah. major events that I would like to go to um, this year will be, uh, I want to do San Diego Comic-Con again with some of these new costumes. And uh, I really want to try to make it out to Dragon Con this year because um, my costumes are starting yeah. to get to the point that I feel I, I, can, I can compete with some of those people out there. You know, as far awesome. as, you know, costume and talent. Yeah. And those guys, yeah. you know, I, some of the costumes that come out of Dragon Con just blow me away. Do you think that the costumes from Dragon Con are a little bit better than the ones at Comic-Con, or is it just that the ones at Comic-Con you're just seeing over and over again? Uh, I would definitely say they're better because, you know, there are people that spend you know, more money than a car on some of their costumes specifically for that event yeah. because that, that event has turned into, uh, you know, costuming during your A-game type of a, yeah, type of a showcase thing. And, you know, from what I understand, there's also a lot of people that go to that convention that are, you know, they're in the industry. They're, they're uh, you know, um, movie prop builders and set designers and, you know, robotics engineers and stuff like that that are actually in the industry doing that for a living. So, of course, Definitely. you know, when they bring it, they, you know, they're bringing movie quality work. Yeah. Interesting. You would think that San Diego would have the better costumes considering that, you know, the age of the con and, you know, obviously the hoopla around it. I think uh, it's kind of get, 
His whole San Diego is just so big. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's a different it's a different atmosphere. Like, you know, just the uh, the people that would do something like that at uh, at San Diego Comic Con are usually there, you know, housing a booth or you know doing something like that because because it's in their it's in their neighborhood. Hmm. And that that's just my you know thought process of the whole thing. But I mean they brought yeah. some pretty cool stuff to San Diego Comic Con last year. I mean, you know, Adam Savage hosts that thing that uh um Stan Winston Studios built that giant robot costume. Yeah. I saw that. That was <laughs> that was pretty phenomenal. Amazing. So but yeah, that I mean that's what those guys do. Yeah, but that's what those guys do. That's their specialty. You know, building robotics into uh into you know, screen accurate stuff that they wear. So, you know, it's changing the directions a little bit to make it more of a costume is, you know, not too difficult for people like those guys. And they have a budget. <laughs> budget right. Budget's the hardest right. thing. Like, you know, if I had, you know, if I had $20,000 to spend on a costume, it would be awesome. You know, but, you know, here I have to make something awesome out of 100 bucks. Right, exactly. So I'm going to talk a little bit about because I, you know, I've, I've interviewed a couple of of others, you know, local uh, cosplay girls, and yeah. I have found that too. You know, uh, some of them don't worry about security so much, but uh, other ones really have some problems with with some of the fanboys out there. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, you're a man in this business. Yeah. And have you ever had a circumstance where, you know, some guy or, or some girl, you know, even? I mean, I know some, some chicks who are pretty broad-minded <laughs> yeah, who would I have think, no uh, problem doing that. I think most of my fans are online and, you know, just stalk me on Facebook. <laughs> oh, they stalk you on Facebook. I don't think I'm anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I'm anywhere near as big as... I mean, this is fairly new for me. I've only been doing this for, you know, five years. And, you know, I don't have the, I don't have the marketing capabilities that some of these girls do to get their name out. And, you know, I mean, I almost feel bad for some of the girls that, you know, they, they are literally on their computer 24 seven, you know, just posting pictures and, you know, uh, you know, getting their name out on all walks of the, um, you know, social networks. And for me, you know, I work full time job or I'm building the costume. I just don't don't have that time to to dedicate. I'm trying now because you know I want to get my name out there as a prop builder. So um, so I'm starting to do more and more online stuff and marketing and figuring that out now. But it, I'm still early in the game. So I don't know. Do you, you know, think? I, well, I, th- I think based on on your characters, you've got obviously more clothes on. <laughs> yes. Than some of the girls I've seen. Uh, based on the characters, I mean, some of these uh, comic book characters are pretty scantily clad, so they yeah, you know, they get out there. You'll never which... see. You'll never see me in one of those costumes. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Just, that does not. <laughs> It just does not fit my body type. So. 
you know, and girls that can pull that off, great. I, I appreciate them for the art and what they do. And, you know, um, I don't know. I, I have a, I have a different opinion on cosplay girls than most people because, you know, for me, for me, it's about creating the costume. You know, pretty girl puts on a costume, then she's just a pretty girl in a costume. But if that same pretty girl builds that costume from scratch and makes it awesome and then wears it, then now I have a little bit more respect for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I just, I'd have to say that the ones that I talk to and interview actually usually, that's, they, they actually have multiple costumes that they have created. And yeah. they, they, don't get, they don't make a lot of money doing this. They just want to do it. Yeah, and, yeah. and those, so, those know, are the people I admire, simple. and I'm friends with a lot of those people. You know, I, I appreciate them in what they do. Uh, so, and I mean, it, it's it's a tough thing for women have it tougher than guys when it comes to costuming because, you know, because they have the sex appeal and that's, you know, that's actually what they're pushing for their costumes because, you know, yeah. like yeah, I mentioned, so. I think earlier, you know, a guy, a guy is not going to, you know, I guess, I guess if he's like super buff man and shirtless, I guess he can get just as much attention. But, um, you know, for most guys, they, they don't use their body to, to create their, uh, persona and exposure. They, you know, they base people seeing what they do based on the costumes that they, that they put together and make. You know, I know, uh, several, several guys that are pretty popular in the costuming community out here. Uh, Michael, Michael Nightfall and, uh, um, there's another guy, uh, uh, Bob Bob Kiefer, I think. Um, both of those guys, I see them all the time. They they got huge following, and but they uh, it's because of their costuming abilities. You know what they build, what they make. Mm-hmm. Good to know. It's, it's good to know, and I agree. It's, it's tougher um, only because the characters that the girls are are portraying, obviously. Uh, but the, the, then they're also strong characters, so yeah. uh, they got they got some uh, double duty there. It's not just sex appeals; these characters are strong. Yeah, yeah. So and, and I commend them all more... for what do. <laughs> strong, strong chicks out there. <laughs> there are a lot. Well, and I think that's that's more in today's age too. You know, they're they're becoming. Uh, you know, the the strong-willed and, uh, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer style person oh, yeah. Perso- yeah. persona is is big now. You know, back back in the 80s and early 90s, you know, it, you know, men were were more predominant in movies and shows and stuff because, you know, it really wasn't thought of that at that point for having a strong woman role as a main character. Mm-hmm. And now in, you know, late, you know, 2013, I mean, <clears throat> half the shows are based on strong women heroes versus men. Hmm. So I think about it being more women. But, yeah, uh, the characters are are becoming stronger uh, in fiction stories and whatnot. Uh, yeah. 
I do know that because I've got my own characters that are that's strong women. Men love right. them. <laughs> well, it you know it appeals to both sides. It it appeals to to men and women for both reasons. <clears throat> you know, having a strong character that kicks ass and um, you know, also having the sex appeal of a woman. <laughs> right. So tell me what's next for you. Now you you created really awesome Doc Ock. What's next? I got a, custom, a couple costumes uh, I'm working on. Like I said, Professor Xavier is uh, next on the agenda, which Professor Xavier is actually done. But the main component of Professor Xavier is, of course, the chair. And I can't just do a wheelchair with an X on the wheels because that's lame. So I'm going back to the comics, uh, and I'm building the hover chair, which is the big yellow chair that he flies around in in the, in the you know, 80s, late 80s, early 90s uh, comic era of X-Men. That sounds good. And the re- uh, yeah, the reason I'm doing that is because of the challenge, of course, and I'm going to try to get it done by, uh, by the Tostitos Bowl Parade. That one might be really good for Dragon Con. Yes. However, getting a chair to uh, Atlanta, Georgia—you'd <laughs> have to drive, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole yeah, other I mean, problem. <laughs> the chair that I'm using is—it's based off of a you know a, um, a big wheeled, single wheeled in the front wheelchair, like electric uh-huh. wheelchair, uh, which will all be hidden. But the wheelchair itself weighs like 300 pounds, 250 pounds. Oh wow! And that—that's not even with all of the stuff I put on it, because once I build it up, it'll have like, um, more electronics in it. Uh, the outer shell is going to be all made of fiberglass. Uh, so it's, it's probably going to be closer to, you know, 350, 400 pounds by the time I'm done with it, and it's going to be, you know, the size of a, uh, you know, <laughs> half the size of a car. Right. So I'm definitely going to have to trailer it out if I go. So when, when I saw you in picture of, um, as Xavier, you were standing. So that was like before his accident then. <laughs> uh, actually, no. It wasn't before his accident. Um, it, it's, you know, he, the, the helmet that he's wearing is Cerebro. And what Cerebro right. does is it allows him to uh, kind of take a virtual rock, a walk through, through people's minds. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. that's what you're actually seeing is, uh, you know, he he doesn't use his wheelchair when he's when he's in Cerebro because he's actually, you know, in an alternate uh, state of being and he doesn't yeah, use the chair. Yeah, you're right. See, you, you got got him down pat. I didn't even think about it. You're very yeah, glad about that. I have to research it. If I'm going to do it, it's got to be researched, and I have to have a story to back up. Well, why is Professor X walking around? Well, there's the reason. That's right. There you go. You got it. So Professor X is next on the list. Uh, I've got a steampunk mad scientist that I'm working on for Wild Wild West Con. (laughs) And uh, also um, a steampunk version of the Gunslinger Spawn that will also be presented at Wild Wild West Con. Uh, That one's been a couple years in the making because there's 
there's a lot of stuff to it that, uh, you know, I have to, you know, this is one of those, you know, like the Gaslight Joker, I can't just, uh, you know, throw some goggles on it and call it steampunk. I, I have to uh, think of how, how his outfit looks. You know, there's skulls on the outfit that have to look like the Spawn skulls, but they have to be steampunked or cybernetic in some way. So uh, I've been working on the thought process of that one for a couple of years now and just trying to get it all together. And then I need to actually mold and create stuff, and that, that takes some capital too because you know, mold-making materials is not cheap. Wow. So I'm hoping to get that wow. done by Wild Wild West Con. That, that'll just depend, depend on my money situation through the next few months. Um, I have another costume that I've been working on for a couple of years that <clears throat> I just kind of put on the back burner because uh, it's an obscure character. Um, it's uh, it's Sergeant Cup from Transformers, and it it's uh, okay. it's probably about it's probably about a quarter of the way done. I've got the chest, the head, uh, and uh, part of the arm done on this costume, but then I I kind of put it aside because. I was originally doing it to be part of a Transformers costuming group that uh, that all dropped the ball. So when they stopped doing it, I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the only guy in this crazy costume standing around at you know Phoenix Comic Con when it's an obscure character to begin with. Right. <laughs> so it's been on the back burner. I was planning on uh, debuting it here at Phoenix Comic Con this year, but uh, now. It's, now it sounds like I have an opportunity to be part of a uh, 60s Adam West Batman group. And, of course, you know who I'm going to be. Yeah. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you can figure it out. So you have how many costumes that you're working on right now, then? So that, that'll, be, uh, that'll be four costumes. Wow. And they all have to be done by June. Well, one has to be done by June. Um, January, two have to be do- done by March, and then the final one has to be done by uh, Phoenix Comic Con. Beginning of June, awesome. Wow, I, so you know, I'm going to see you at most of these, so definitely have to take some pictures of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we saw you were. De- I saw your work, you know, obviously out at uh, Tucson Comic Con. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, okay, there you go. And I said, okay, we've already interviewed a couple of girls. And uh, I told uh, Michael Bradley, he said, hey, you know, we we need to we need some equal time here. I said, you, know, you like the girls, <laughs> but I want a couple of guys in here, you know. And and so okay. he said, well, I yeah, so that's why I, I picked. You know, to do because I saw you at King Halloween, so it was perfect. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, Michael's said, a great okay, guy. That's what and, I you know, he also appreciates what I do. You know, he I likes the girl customers too, but you know, he uh, he admires my, you know, some of my talents. You know, I admire him too oh, yeah. for yeah, being he, able to write stuff. He, he he enjoys your costume, but he. Apparently enjoys women more. So <laughs> no, no right. offense there. And he says, "Okay, you go for it," because you know, after all, yeah, that's uh, that's the way I swing. So <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's uh, fine. Yeah, 
Yeah, so we kind of share sometimes on the, uh, you know, when we're doing an interview uh, with, the, with, the, with girls, with ladies. Okay. And uh, sometimes he gets me where he, he asks certain questions or has me ask questions. And it's like, you know what, that just doesn't sound right coming from a chick to a chick, you know? <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, I'm not <laughs> asking that question. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, leave it no, to Michael Bradley it, to, answer the, to ask those questions. I, I know it. <laughs> he, he, I'm sure he's listening. Listen, was listening, thinking, okay, I really want her to ask this question because it's going to be awkward for her. And it's like, no, I'm not asking that question. So, <laughs> but that's the way he is. It's fun. It's fun. So we're really happy that you finally you were able to get with us today because yeah that's uh, we want you to be able to take the show um, and you've got some people that are listening right now I know you guys are there yeah I see I see a bunch of you there listening in the dark you can't hide <laughs> from me well, you I like to try but you can't hide from me with my call in you know oh, I've been working on yeah, working on projects and I get sidetracked really easily. I was late yeah. picking up my daughter. I was supposed to get her at 5, and at 7 minutes to 5, I'm like, oh, i got to go pick up my daughter. And then two minutes later, I'm on the computer, my shoes are kicked off, and I'm <laughs> starting another project. And I get a text from her, hey, uh, are you coming to pick me up? I'm like, oh. <laughs> I ran out the door at 5 to go pick her up. <laughs> oh, so we're showing so up part the of being only an one then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I get that a lot. I have to, you know, it's, I, I'm artistic, but I'm also, you know, a uh, business owner. So it's like, yeah. uh, so yeah, texting you, going, yeah, email you, go, uh, are you coming? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mike, yep. where are you? But we're really well, glad yep. you came up because, again, this show is, is archived and it, it really is, uh, I, I was just so proud of it. Because uh, it hit seventy thousand listeners yesterday, and wow, uh, great. yeah, yeah. So uh, we actually surpassed that, went to seventy thousand ninety. So wow, I'm just uh, so blessed to have that happen. And so it's been an awesome, uh, awesome week because of those some milestones that we we were able to reach. And that's what it's all about: is trying to you know keep things fresh and interesting. And yeah, uh, I'm, so, I'm so happy you came on and talked to us because it's, and of course, you know, some of this interview that, you know, uh, other things I asked you is going to be in the paper. So everyone, this is not the end of, of his interview. He actually answered some other questions that will be in the physical newspaper for November, December, and also be online at thewa.net. So where do we find you if, uh, if a fan wants to find you and, and find out where you're going to be at? Um, well, right now I've been posting a lot on, uh, like my main page, um, I, I've been having to be more selective on the people that I add as friends, but, uh, I think with Facebook now, you don't have to be a friend with somebody to follow them. Uh, mm-hmm. just, just FYI for the people, you know, wanting to follow me and, you know, see what I do. Um, I also have a gaslight joker on Facebook, which is my page for gaslight joker, uh, anytime I dress up in that costume, uh, I post stuff on there. I usually post the pictures of any events, you know, that has a picture of me and whoever is with me at the time <clears throat> into that page. 
And then also my uh, Mad Props page on Facebook, which is 2Ps, um, P-R-O-P-P-S. And uh, um, I'm trying to actually uh, gear that more towards props now. Um, For the last several months, it's been all about vinyl and uh, car graphics, but um, I'm trying to trying to change that out right now so that um, I can update that with some of the projects and stuff that I'm working on. That's awesome. And we're always looking forward to, you know, definitely keep an eye on what you're, what you've got going on. And of course I'll see you at the conventions. Yeah. So we'll always look forward to talking to you again. And, uh, and you have a great night. I'm going to sign off for the day. <laughs> okay. Thanks. It was great talking to you. Very take care of business while I was waiting. <laughs> All right. I got to go Thanks in and so eat much. dinner, I think. Yeah, yeah, go eat dinner, family right. time. Thanks so Have much a good for night. coming. Bye-bye. All right, bye. That was Mike, and we're so happy that he was able to come in with us. And again, just a reminder, short reminder, we'll be, actually, we'll be uh, probably not doing any shows next week because of the newspaper and also some personal issues uh, with family getting close to Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, but I will be definitely out at the Doctor Who 50th anniversary on Saturday the 23rd. And also, if we make it out to the Fireland Phoenix Fury Festival on Sunday, then you can see me out there at Castles and Coasters on the 24th. Come by and say hi. Talk to me about some stuff. You're interested if you've got to uh, business that you'd like to tote, especially if it's, it's pop culture-ish, definitely get in touch with me. We always use uh, more hands and, and mouths in the business to get out the word on on all this cool stuff that we all have going on with pop culture. Again, what is the voice of pop culture? KWAD Radio is part of the overall media company. So with that, I'm going to say good night. You guys have a great one. And this is KWOD Radio and Patty Holstrand signing out. All right.